the award-winning Your Financial Editor program on 930 WFMD. News from the worlds of business and finance with your financial editor, Chris Murray. Welcome to another edition of the Your Financial Editor program right here on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com and as a podcast just go to Apple Podcasts and you can uh, listen to the program right there. I am Chris Murray, your host. Happy Fourth of July uh, weekend. Happy Independence Day. Uh, God bless America. I I love this uh, holiday um, because that's you really see the true patriotism that just uh, puts out a, a special vibe. I think uh, in our country during this uh, this weekend and the celebration that goes with it. So, um, happy Fourth to everybody! Thanks for tuning in. Um, good program planned for you. Interesting top stories. Not all positive, of course, because we know what we're dealing with uh, with this train wreck as far as the administration and uh, uh, no leadership, poor policy. We're actually seeing the results and feeling them, and they're really painful. Um, so um, we're not going to ignore them. We're going to they, they have to be uh, looked at, uh, explained, addressed. And, uh, you know, we need to learn from this. So historically, when we look back, if anybody um, in positions of power try to do uh, do these crazy um, policies again, we'll know. To push back, push back hard. Um, it's obviously been proven what's best for the country and now what's worse for the country. Also joining me, uh, Dr. Jane Orient. Uh, she is a physician. She's the executive director of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. Uh, she's also currently the president of uh, Doctors for Disaster Preparedness. And she's going to be joining us. Actually, she was on the program back in 2019, I think it was. So we're going to get an update uh, from her. Obviously, a lot's happened. We're going to talk about the virus uh, and its uh, impact, various impacts uh, on uh, our country, the world. Uh, we'll talk about the uh, Dobbs decision uh, with the uh, uh, abortion industry and what that means to them uh, in the medical area. And um, we'll get into some other things as well. So uh, stay, uh, stay put. Look forward to this program uh, with you. And um, now I, I said happy 4th of July, a minute from the bottom of my heart. But one of the things, obviously, we're all dealing with, it, except the elitist and, uh, you know, the people in power uh, that don't worry about um, this type of thing. They, they just and they don't care. I mean, we're seeing that when uh, various uh, officials are asked, you know, when is this going to end? They're like, well, it won't be anytime soon. Just hang in there, you know, suck it up, uh, stick it out, whatever, um, because, again, it doesn't impact them. Uh, but it is impacting those that uh, can least afford it, and that's the poor, that's um, those on fixed income, that's uh, the single moms out there. But what we actually saw this week is that we as consumers can expect to pay 17% more to eat on the 4th of July in this year 
of 2022. That's according to a new report from the American Farm Bureau. So this annual study that they put out confirmed that the average cost of a uh, summer cookout for 10 people was a total of $69.68, which I think they're being actually um, kind of gracious with that number. But uh, they're basically saying it's a $10 jump from where it was in 2021 when people were making fun of – you know, the cost of a hot dog. Um, it's it's not funny. Um, and this is just one holiday, of course. Uh, we've got to eat, right? We've got to eat. We've got to utilize energy to get ourselves to places to be productive. Um, it, it's just, it's crazy. But the authors of this study assessed many of America's um, Favorite cookout foods, and they found that the price for two pounds of ground beef is up 36% from last year. Two pounds of boneless and skinless chicken breast jumped 33%. Three pounds of pork chops up 31%. And the classic 32 ounces of pork and beans rose 33%. So... Uh, those are just some of the uh, foods that were in the report. Um, according to the um, American Farm Bureau president, the increased uh, cost of food and supplies is a very real concern in our country. Um, and again, we all know that uh, U.S. food assistance programs and food banks help those who struggle to make ends meet here at home. Um, And obviously that need is going up greatly. People that have never needed some type of help when it comes to uh, nourishing their bodies are now asking for it. Um, It's just sad. And I mentioned, I think it was last week or the week before, how the U.S. farmer, their sentiment um, has just cratered because of the input costs. It was a report by Purdue University and the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Um, And when you look at how they were feeling in May, it was very, very poorly. Um, That's the best way to sum it up. So you've got these strong commodity prices. Okay, you think that's great for the farmer. You know, they're out there producing all of this food and uh, they're making, you know, record money and, Uh, You know, because of inflation, they're getting paid more money for their uh, commodities, whether it's corn or wheat or soybean or you fill in the blank. But guess what? They're paying more to plant, care for, and harvest. What are their two main input costs? Fertilizer and diesel fuel. (laughs) You've got diesel fuel at a record high. Record all-time high. Just You know how much, or you can imagine how much um, those tractors use in diesel fuel and then all the trucks that are necessary, uh, getting the crop uh, transported to wherever it needs to go. So, you know, they're dealing with record high input costs. So it's just a wash, really, if they're lucky, because you know what they have to deal with that uh, we don't? Uh, in the most of our professional lives, weather. If the rain doesn't come and you don't get good growth from that field of corn, 
or a field of soybeans or whatever, um, you're not going to get the yield when it's time to harvest that, that commodity. So obviously you don't have as much to sell. So they've got to deal with that as well. It's no, no surprise that, you know, again, their confidence is uh, in the ditch because of these multiple issues uh, that, that they have to face every day. And, you know, we're, we're hearing more of the same from Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell. Um, you know, this week he was saying that the U.S. economy is in, quote, strong shape, unquote. I don't. Do you feel like you're in strong shape? Because you, the consumer, you're the engine behind what happens in America. You know, the consumer supports the biggest economy in the world. And he's saying we're in strong shape. I think that's a stretch. And he also said that the, the Federal Reserve Bank can reduce inflation to 2%. That's really going to be hard. You know, that's their target is 2%. We're at 8.6%. I continue to ask this question, and I'll ask it again today. Don't you think that even a fifth grader, maybe even a third grader, if you told them this is our target of 2%, and here we are, just say at 4%, just say when they doubled it, and you ask that student in third grade, do you think we should do something about this or ignore it? Now, if we ignore it, it could have some real serious repercussions, and it could be hurtful to people, make their lives a lot harder than they need to be. I truly believe a third grader would say, yeah, we need to do something if we went from 2% four percent why in the world would so-called trained economists and so-called super smart people at these federal reserve banks 12 of them across the country say we're fine and we're going to let it go to 8.6 percent just because they used a word transitory thinking that that would make it okay I do not get it, but again, that's what we heard from um, from Jerome Powell. He vowed to ensure that this uh, rapid price increases don't become entrenched, saying that we will not allow a transition from a low inflation environment to a high inflation environment. You already did. We were below 2% inflation, and you let it get to 8.6. You already let it happen. Don't say you're not going to let it happen. Be honest. He's in Portugal giving this, this speech. Like, just because, you know, he's out of the country, we don't see what he says. It's, it's really disheartening because when you look at what the Federal Reserve, because it's the Federal Reserve and the current administration's overspending that caused all this. So... One of two things happened at the Federal Reserve. They were either uh, too, uh, you know, I don't know, self-absorbed or too foolish not to fix inflation when they saw it. Or was it 
Jerome Powell as chairman. The buck stops with him at the Federal Reserve, right? Worried about his reappointment. Could four more years as chairman of the Federal Reserve be worth all of this pain that's been caused day by day from inflation to the American people? If the answer to that is yes, and it was about reappointment, that takes selfishness to a whole new level. I'm talking to the top of Mount Everest, right? No excuse for that. So we know by spending too much money, which the government has, and now they're still trying to push out pieces of Build Back Better, which is garbage, just like the infrastructure package was garbage because most of it wasn't traditional infrastructure. What did we hear this week? Well, the United States, uh, it should say the American taxpayer, us, is pledging $200 billion in a G7 infrastructure project. This is what Biden was saying this week when he was um, also out of the country. So what is it? Uh, The Partnership for Global Infrastructure and Investment was relaunched by Biden and other groups, members of of the, the G7 at the summit. So altogether, G7 leaders pledged to raise $600 billion in, uh, in funds. Hmm. That's to finance needed infrastructure in developing countries. All right, number one, our bridges are falling apart, as are our water and sewerage systems, rails, railways, you name it. And out of the $600 billion, we're going to do $200 billion. G7, seven country members, right, seven, and us being one of those is going to be responsible for a third of the overall investment. You can't, number one, we don't have that money. And number two, You can't just throw our money away, taxpayer money away, newly created debt, throw it away. And what's it, you know, again, this is how wasteful this is. They're looking for this money to support climate change, gender equity. And digital infrastructure. I don't know about you. Um, well, actually, for me, it's not a fair comparison because for years and years we've been against uh, this waste. Um, but right now for people, if they're not waking up to see what's being done in the name of uh, climate change, gender equity, and all these other ridiculous things... Um, that are being used for power and money grabs. If they're not waking up now, they never will. And, and you know, it's time for us to, you know, to be more serious than ever about this and to push back when people start talking that trash.
And just, you know what, it, like nobody will say it around me, but if if they do, like start talking climate change, okay, let's put a panel together. Let's put a debate uh, together. Fair. We'll agree on a moderator and um, we'll agree on questions. And then, of course, um, we'll, we'll have uh, those that say, you know, again, that the world's going to end in 10 years and all of this is necessary in uh, the name of climate. Fine. Go ahead. Find the best expert you can. And then the other side is going to be debated. Um, and both sides have to have um, facts, real numbers, multiple numbers from multiple uh uh, agencies and companies and individuals that provide statistics that are validated and respected. Let's go. Let's sit down and let's have it. Let's have this debate. That's all you have to do. Or it's even better if somebody says the world's going to end in 13 years, bet them $1,000. That's all That's all you have to do. I bet you a thousand or 10000 whatever you want to bet them. I mean, I'm not a betting person, but that's what I do when they say it's going to end and, you know, we're all doomed. Okay, I'll bet you $1,000 you're wrong. And if I'm, if you know, if I'm around, um, you know, in, in 10 years and the world's getting ready to end, I'll pay you. If I'm dead, I'll have my estate pay you. But same for you. If we're still here and cranking in 10, 15, 20 years, whatever number they want to take, because of uh, when they're saying the you know the climate's gonna gonna kill us all off, then they have to pay too. That's the best way and the funnest way I'll have to say to settle that argument. Debate it, bet on it. Um, we also saw that the current administration's um, what they're doing with all of these ridiculous policies are costing jobs. So. Uh, the Department of Energy found that uh, the fuels technology uh, sector experienced job losses totaling 29,271 last year. The majority of those came from uh, the traditional fossil fuel industry. Onshore, offshore petroleum companies lost 31,593 jobs. Those are good-paying jobs and important because we have to have traditional energy, no matter what they say. Again, that's why they won't debate it. The coal industry lost 7,125. So they're killing jobs. They're um, And the whole thing, you know, yeah, as soon as you lose that job, we're going to give you a green job. No, you're not because the technology's not ready. So don't say you're going to give somebody a green job. And by the way, if you do, make sure you're not wasting our money on poor technology and saying, oh, this transi uh, uh, transition is going to happen, like, uh, very, very quickly. No, it's not. Quit lying. That's not true at all. And thank goodness the Supreme Court came out a couple days ago and dealt a nice blow to the administration's climate change agenda. So the ruling, I think it was on Thursday, uh, said that the Environmental Protection Agency cannot pass sweeping regulations that could overhaul entire industries without additional congressional approval. What does that mean? Well, we saw it during the Obama administration. 
EPA, Department of Labor, and, and all these other agencies, since they couldn't get it through Congress, they just act on their own. And these agencies start coming up with various uh, uh, programs and their own types of rules or restrictive regulations or whatever it might be. Um, so that's obviously not legal. The Supreme Court realized that. And this lawsuit, by the way, was from the Obama administration. And the Supreme Court court came out with that 6-3 decision saying that uh, the executive branch uh, can only go so far in forcing new environmental regulations on their own. Thank the good Lord, right? I'll have to say, for I wasn't following all of the cases, but except for the Remain in Mexico policy, the other uh, rulings I thought were it, they were great to see because they were based on the Constitution, and of course that's uh, what makes our republic so great. And uh, to have all this good information that we learned right before the 4th of July celebrations uh, makes it even more special, I think. And it's also good to see uh, how strong uh, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas has become, even more so the last couple years. I mean, he's had momentum the whole time. But, um, you know, I think you're hearing a lot of people say it's it's his court and um, he deserves it. I think it's wonderful. So, um, you know, uh, good for him. And by the way, the Dobbs uh, rolling on uh, Roe v. Wade will be part of our discussion coming up in just a little bit with my guest, Dr. Jane Orient. Um, She's the executive director of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, and uh, we'll get her medical uh, opinion on that. Creating your retirement recipe, how interest rates play a role Uh, Get ready for another interest rate increase the end of this month because uh, we're going to get it. And uh, obviously, when interest rates go up, they do impact your retirement and investment savings. So this is a free white paper for you. Go to murrayfinancialgroup.com, and it's right there on the home page. You just click the button, the download button, and it goes right to your email. And again, it's titled Creating Your Retirement Recipe, How Interest Rates Play a Role. They already have, and they're going to continue. So I think you'd want to grab this. Go to murrayfinancialgroup.com. Sing a song for the saints, the ones still living and the ones it ain't. Sing a song for the lonely, sing a song for truth. The power of local free talk radio comes alive on 930 WFMD. The 
Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to uh, Apple Podcasts. You can find it there. Well, a couple pieces of economic data that came out, unfortunately, uh, weren't good. We saw that consumer confidence fell. Uh, It dropped to a 16-month low, actually, to a reading of 98.7%. Americans just are growing more worried about high gas prices, high food prices, um, the health of the economy, you name it. And it's showing up in these um, consumer confidence reports. So this is by the conference board, the report that I just referenced. And um, it's it's just terrible. And then the one that we had uh, last week when we talked about uh, the University of Michigan consumer sentiment report, that was the weakest on record. So, uh, I mean, that really goes to say something that, you know, you're seeing these um, sentiment and confidence reports just disintegrate as far as uh, people being positive about anything, about current situation, future situation, um, their children's future. I mean, it's just they're they're terrible. It's very very painful to see, and also it it does make you very angry because it's uh it's um it really uh something that is uh it's it's forced on us and it's all on purpose. So you have to again think about the evil involved in that, um, the evil evil evil. You know, I mean, even when it before this, uh, the virus and then all this nonsense with the election and then, of course, uh, these policies now that we have to be um, force fed. You know, I would say, look, there's an election coming up. Well, even before the virus came, um, the House, Nancy Pelosi and others were saying, well, the only way we're going to beat Donald Trump for reelect for his reelection is if uh, we have a recession. Now, is that like the most evil thing in the world? You know what happens during a recession? People die. You know, people lose their jobs. They lose their houses. They lose their cars. That puts stress on their families. Families break up. Unfortunately, the mental illness issue becomes much worse, and that's what you want so you can win an election. I don't care if you're a Republican, Democrat, conservative, progressive. I don't care who you are. If you think that way, you're sick. You're sick in the head. But it goes to show people will do anything for power. Um, and... With confidence being the way it is right now, it's it doesn't bode well for the American citizen. Also, we saw that that revised GDP number from the first quarter, it was the last revision. It actually came in worse than what was expected. So initially in April, we saw that our economy shrank by 1.4%. Well, when the gross domestic product was reevaluated, um, for the second time or revised, uh, it actually was minus 1.6 instead of minus 1.4. Um, so it's just, um, it's not good. And we need to figure this all out. Uh, we need, again, to learn from it and uh, take care of each other as best we can. 
you know, help your your neighbor in any way. Um, and uh, and and that's going to be our strength, I, I think, at least uh, to get us through this, learn from it and then, uh, you know, really kind of go from there. So um, when we come back, we're going to be talking with Dr. Jane Orient. We're going to be talking about uh, the virus, what it did, uh, what it continues to do um, as far as the these ridiculous uh, mandatory lockdowns and everything that goes along with it. Um, along with other important um, issues. So stay tuned. Financial Editor with Chris Murray on 930 WFMD. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcasts and you can uh, listen to the program there or uh, share it, uh, you know, however you want to uh, handle that. Uh, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I've been doing this for over 24 years when we founded the program back in 1997. The technology uh, that uh, we've been able to embrace over time, whether it's streaming live uh, when we have folks around the country listening or uh, if it's a podcast so people can re-listen and uh, also share the podcast. So it's just great. And I want to thank everybody for being with us this weekend. Happy Fourth of July weekend. I uh, hope you're really having a, a good weekend and celebrating uh, this great, the greatest republic uh, in the history of the world. So, um, it's, you know, I, I hope you and your family have a fantastic uh, time this weekend. Uh, joining me this morning, Dr. Jane Orient. Uh, she uh, is in solo practice. She is also the executive director of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. She's currently the president of uh, Doctors for Disaster Preparedness. She's an author, uh, whether it's books or papers that have been published. So I'm sure you've seen her work before. Good morning, uh, Dr. Orion. How are you? Oh, good morning. Yeah. So, thank, number one, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us. I appreciate it. Uh, we were talking off the air. It's been since uh, 2019 since we spoke. So it's great to talk to you again. Um, a couple things, I guess. We really want to start with the virus. I mean, it's just wreaked havoc the, the last uh, couple years. And um, just want to get a, a professional's uh, opinion and input, uh, and I think our listeners want the same. 
Do you think the response to the virus uh, that we had here in America was right or wrong? I think it was drastically wrong. I think it caused incredible harm and did virtually no good. So um, is that like just across the board or were there certain uh, pieces of the way it was handled by, uh, you know, say, Dr. Fauci and others? Um, So are there things that stand out or do you think just in general? And if so, why? Well, I think that we've turned our medical care over to unelected bureaucrats who have a long history of corruption and making mistakes and incompetence in government. And we have just had pervasive media about this. And this has been, their views have been implemented with threats through the FDA and the CDC that are, that are filtering down through medical organizations and public health departments so that physicians were afraid to uh, use their own judgment about the need to look into early treatment. So many of them were refusing to treat patients, so, and the patients were left to, you know, stay home, call the emergency room when you turn blue. And then they were shutting down areas of the economy, which made no sense at all. I mean, why should some little shop be driven out of business while Walmart, Walmart Walmart and other big box stores are open, that made no sense. And and if you look at the data, the areas that had strict mask mandates and lockdowns did no better than places that didn't. And yet we kept insisting on this this disaster that that deprived many people of their livelihood. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, whenever the government gets involved and starts picking winners and losers, like you said, you can't go to church, but you can go to the liquor store or, um, you know, I mean, like you said, you can't go and support a local small business owner, but you can go to um, Home Depot or Walmart or whoever else. I mean, it made no sense. And why six feet? Why not six feet, six inches? Like, who came up with that number? It seems so... Well, it came out of thin air, of course. Yeah, so random, right? And, and, and that's, I think, what was so frustrating. My personal story, which I've shared before, um, my wife and I, and we have one of our children still at home, uh, and uh, she was actually, at the time, babysitting a, a, a little baby. She was about um, uh, six months at the time. And, of course, we didn't know what was going on. So when they came out and said, look, we're going to do this for 15 days and flatten the curve, we were in. And that's because I was like, since I don't know what's going on, there's no way I want to be responsible for the little girl the little baby getting sick. So that's what we did for that 15-day period. And then, of course, as soon as they said they were extending it, we just, the gloves were off then, and we're like, nope, there's no way this is all baloney, and we're going to live our lives as we always have been, and that's exactly what we did. Well, that was the wise thing to do, and you'll probably have much better natural immunity than other people. People who have been shut up for months or years have lost exposure to the viruses that are everywhere and are probably going to get sick with all kinds of things. I mean, at first, in the first 15 days, we really didn't know what was going on. But we soon found out that the people who were dying of this were old 
and had many medical conditions. They were the ones who, wanted, who needed to be protected. What were we doing? We were sending sick people to the nursing homes where these people are and where they're exposed to each other and to staff that, that travel around to other places. We were doing exactly the opposite thing that we should have been doing. Yeah, I, again, I agree. I mean, that was so horrific to uh, to learn um, afterwards, you know, what those policies meant as far as death, uh, a death sentence to, to a lot of people who should never um, have had that. So uh, I guess the other thing um, or one of the other things is COVID money. So, you know, of course, the government, we're here to help, which is a scary phrase, of course. Um, and here's a bunch of money. Was this a moneymaker for hospitals and, a, again, a reason for them to prolong this, uh, this, this whole virus period? Well, well, it's a complicated story with the hospitals because some hospitals were, were very severely affected by inability to do elective procedures while their wards sat empty expecting this influx of patients that didn't come. But hospitals were paid for diagnosing COVID, for uh, attributing deaths to COVID, for giving patients remdesivir, for intubating them, um, for doing the things that the government wanted them to do, even if they could see that their patients were going into kidney failure and they were running out of dialysis machines because of giving them an Anthony Fauci's favorite drug, remdesivir. Yeah, that's gosh. Again, it's just it, and and that unfortunately erodes public confidence in the medical sector. Which, of course, we it's bad enough that we don't have any uh, respect and that the government doesn't have credibility in in these other institutions. But you know, when you start talking about healthcare, that's a real, real problem. Well, we had, we had many doctors testifying that they had treated thousands of patients with long-approved, very safe, repurposed drugs, and their patients were getting well. They were not dying. Very few of them were going to the hospital, and they were being treated like pariahs and even having their licenses and their board certification threatened because they were saving people's lives. Yeah. So um, we have to talk about the mental illness part of this uh, because of the lockdowns um, and uh, children in particular. It breaks my heart, you know, that they uh, were uh, kept away from their friends and from a normal school environment. Still, actually, there's some of that going on. Um, how bad do you think that's going to be in the future because of what our our young generation has had to go through? Well, I think we're just beginning to see the effects. I mean, the worst effect, of course, is suicide. But there's probably a significant loss of IQ points. I think I've read as many as 20 IQ points simply because children were not learning and they were not developing their language skills. Because for one thing, everybody was wearing a mask, and it's very important to be able to see people's facial expressions. They were not learning normal methods of, of social interaction, and they were they were cooped up. Not even a, many of them not even able to go outside and play, which is the thing that would have protected them best from getting sick. Yeah, 
Yeah, really a shame. And like you said, the the worst uh, uh, end result of of this is uh, is uh, youngsters taking their lives, um, and that's uh, that's really unfortunate. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with my guest this morning, uh, Dr. Jane Orient. She's the executive director of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. And um, we'll learn more about uh, that organization, what it does, and jump into a couple other issues. Stay tuned. Welcome back. This is Chris Murray, your financial editor on Free Talk Radio 930 WFMD at WFMD.com. And as a podcast, just go to Apple Podcast and you can listen to it there. Wrapping up our conversation with my guest this morning, Dr. Jane Orient. She uh, is the executive director of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. She's also currently president of Doctors for Disaster Preparedness, uh, and she's written books and uh, has uh, uh, different white papers published, and I'm sure you've seen her her professional work. Um, So, Dr. Orient, if you will, uh, if people want to learn more about the, the some of the things we're talking about and and be able to uh, expand on it and read about it, um, where's the best place for them to go to learn? I think they should go to our website, which is aapsonline.org. dot org. That's aap is in Paul, s s in Sam, online o n o i n e dot org. You can download our free book on COVID early treatment, and you can have access to our press releases, our alerts. You may want to sign up to get our alerts, which is free. You may want to let your doctor know about us. We have a quarterly peer-reviewed journal, a monthly newsletter, and a lot of uh, press releases and op-eds that pertain to the issues of the day. And most of them these days have been devoted to COVID. Perfect. Okay. So, again, folks, that's uh, aapsonline.org. We'll put that out again before we wrap up the program. Have to ask you, Dr. Orient, uh, your uh, view uh, or opinion on, uh, if, if you want to share it, on the uh, Dobbs um, uh, verdict this week from the Supreme Court, um, what it does to the abortion industry. Well, we were very appreciative of the Dobbs verdict. It reversed a longstanding atrocity in the law, which simply made up a constitutional right that's nowhere in the Constitution and just repealed all of the state laws pertaining to this. I mean, there were 50 states. There were 50 different laws. These were decided by the representatives of the people. And the Supreme Court just wiped them out overnight, which I think is is just a clear violation of the Constitution, which leaves most of the the police powers, including the regulation of the practice of medicine, to the several states. Yeah, you know, so a lot of people are very, very happy and excited knowing that since that um, overstep that was, uh, you know, back in the 70s created by the the Supreme Court, 
the Supreme Court has finally been righted, if you will, and now it's uh, back in the the state's hands and uh, where it should have always uh, stayed anyway. So, um, so what does that do to the industry, though? Like, you know, you had people, this was their moneymaker. I mean, they're going to go out of business, right? I don't know. They're, they are very upset about it. They are actually provoking armed violence against people who believe that unborn babies have the right to live and that if there's a crisis pregnancy, there are other things that we can do besides snuff out the baby's heartbeat and life. But um, the abortion extremists seem to recognize no limits whatsoever on this procedure. They're, they're content to extinguish a baby's life while it's on its way through the birth canal. Yeah. So um, in wrapping up, I'd just like to get your uh, professional opinion also of the uh, AMA these days, the American Medical Association. Do you think uh, they're on the right path or um, have they kind of fallen off? Well, I think the AMA has been going to the left steadily. It's now, I think, completely woke. It's into critical race theory and um, extremist positions on abortion and on LGBTQ issues, uh, but they have been, I think, in in the owned by the managed care corporations that may call themselves insurance companies, and by the government from which they have this very lucrative monopoly on coding for Medicare and now virtually all insurance claims, and they do not represent physicians who are practicing by the traditional ethics that you have to do what's best for the patient. You know, it sounds very much like the same thing that we learned about with the uh, teacher unions over the last couple years uh, because of the virus, where it was more about um, the people in power and in charge versus the children, as you alluded to earlier, with the problems that, uh, that they've had to deal with. Oh, I think it's it's the, the same sort of thing, and that most physicians, unfortunately, are, are unable to do their best for the patients, even if they want to, because they'll get kicked off the insurance panels, people will complain to the, me- the medical board, and they feel that if they're kicked off the insurance panels, all their patients will go away to somebody who just charges a copay instead of the cost of the service. So most physicians no longer own their practices, and they are owned by the big managed care corporations. Man, that is such a shame. It's a shame we've gotten to this point. Hopefully we can try to turn things around. My guest this morning has been Dr. Jane Orient. She, uh, she is the executive director of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. She's also the current president of Doctors for Disaster Preparedness. Um, and you can learn a lot if you go to online. Dot O-R-G. Obviously, if you're driving, don't try to write that down. Just drop me an email, and I'll, uh, I'll get you that website where you can get um, a, a ton of um, very valuable and, and informative uh, material for free. It doesn't cost you anything. Um, so, and if you want to, you can participate in this fine organization as well. It's AAPS Online. 
www.ohio.org. Dr. Orient, thank you very much for your time and your expertise, and I hope you have a great Independence Day. Thanks for the opportunity to talk to you. Yes, ma'am. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. And that'll do it for us. And uh, like I said, we've got the, um, uh, the wonderful 4th of July, and I hope you have a fantastic one with uh, you and your family. Um, and just to sit back and maybe take, you know, a few minutes to truly um, be thankful for our blessings that, you know, we do have the greatest uh, country in the history of this world, a, co- a country that was, you know, founded in, in God's name. And, um, and even though we're seeing a lot of damage right now, we're going to fix it. It's, it's, it is going to get fixed. So we need to appreciate uh, where we are and uh, the hard work that lies before us, that we have the strength to, to, uh, to carry that out. And, um, and, and again, I hope you have a great, uh, just a great fourth. Um, so we'll be on the, uh, morning news express with Bob and Ryan, five fifty, six fifty, seven fifty, And then back here, uh, next Saturday for another edition of the, your financial editor program. So, um, great fourth of July to you. This is Chris Murray wishing you and your family financial success. She's solo maintenance, don't need no champagne, poppin' entertainment. Take her to Wendy's, can't keep her off me. She wanna dip me like them Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com. News Radio 930. WFMD Frederick. A connoisseur media radio station. Seven o'clock.